Welcome to the Ignite Physio Podcast. This podcast inspires physiotherapists and other health professionals to continue learning and growing their practice and throughout their career. And we explore professional issues with a fresh lens as we delve into topics that help expand our capacity for growth. This is episode number 28, and I'm Andrew. And I'm Maxie. Welcome to the show. So I know this podcast has been in the works for a while, and we're uh, definitely really excited to have uh, this guest interview today, which is on diet and health. And um, I mean, I know that as physical therapists, we don't talk much about diet and the role of diet in health and recovery from from injury or or to uh, work with conditions, different conditions. But we hope that this podcast can help us increase our awareness within the PT community about uh, the role of diet um, within our practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm really honored to introduce our uh, dietitians today, uh, Dr. Tannis Fenton and uh, Kristen Hall. And Tannis is a associate professor in dietetics at the Cummings School of Medicine at the University of, of Calgary. And uh, Tannis specializes in evidence-based assessments on current trends on nutrition. And essentially, she's a nutrition myth buster. And uh, her primary areas of research is on supporting other dietitians and physicians to conduct uh, nutrition research. Uh, and Kristen is a dietitian and a nutritionist with Energized Nutrition in Calgary. Uh, she specializes in midlife, midlife health and wellness, weight management, healthy cooking skills, education, and program development. Uh, so Tannis and Kristen, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you. Yeah. So before we uh, jump into the whole topic of diet, you know, we'd love to hear a little bit about, um, you know, both of your current areas of practice and just what you're passionate about uh, currently around the area of uh, of your pr uh, practice and profession? Oh, sure. Uh, this is Tannis. I particularly like uh, busting the myths in nutrition, and it seems that in recent years, interest in nutrition has increased, and the myths have increased even faster. And my own areas of um, research extend from uh, uh, hospitalized patients to uh, infant nutrition and growth and a whole variety of, of topics. So I'm, I'm kind of eclectic in, in my areas. And I'm Kristen, and I'm super passionate about helping people to use real food to fuel their health and wellness. Um, I believe that nutrition is a really powerful, uh, powerful tool for our health and wellness. And so I love helping people uh, plan ways that they can incorporate better food into how they live. And um, I also love working with people actually in the kitchen. So I also teach some cooking classes um, because it's often you can talk to people about food and nutrition all you want, but sometimes if you can show them with real food, um, that's uh, working through their stomach can, can really help engage people. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, she's good. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's true. I mean, it's it's uh, it's easy for uh, yeah information just to stay information. But I think what you're saying is just that practical component. Yeah, for sure. And we've all heard that veggies and fruits are good for us. But if uh, I can show you that uh, this, you know, purple pomegranate car uh, carrot salad is is fabulous you know, you're actually more likely to go home if you've actually, go home and cook it or prepare it if you've uh, actually tasted it. So anyway, that's what I'm super passionate about. Well, and I think, and I think this is Max, I think that, that, well, your, first of all, your passion shows, shines through, um, but also that, that sense of getting people in the kitchen and um, really having them smell and feel that, feel confidence 
with food and with cooking or maybe trying something they maybe wouldn't have tried on their own, um, uh, I think it would be very helpful in implementing um, some of the education that you have. I see this all the time that people often come to my classes and they say, you know, I'm a terrible cook. I don't know how to cook. And then I watch them and we, we do a, a cooking activity together and they're not terrible. Um, they just, they may be out of practice. So I often talk about, you know, let's exercise those culinary muscles. Like it, it's, it is a skill being in the kitchen. And just like, you know, people aren't taught to skate by reading a handout on how to skate. They're taught often through trial and error. And, and the more we skate, the, the faster and the more confident we feel. And it's, it's the same in, in, um, in nutrition. It's, it's just the more you practice your nutrition, the easier it gets. That's awesome. Um, so, yeah, so that's, that's great. Uh, thanks for sharing, guys. Um, so what we wanted to do was, uh, you know, we have a few questions, uh, you know, around uh, diet. And we thought we'd just uh, start with what you see the role of uh, nutrition playing in terms of supporting our body's healing and recovery. Uh, it's Kristen speaking. I'll, I'll pop in on this one. Uh, nutrition is one of the most powerful and yet underused therapies for our health and wellness. We know that the foods we choose and the foods that we don't choose have a huge potential to contribute uh, contribute or take away from our body's functioning right down to our individual cells. So uh, it's it's really important to start looking at nutrition as an essential therapy for our daily living um, to help for our health, our wellness, and our recovery. So where do you feel some of the, maybe the, the breakdown has been for folks in terms of making that connection? Uh, you know, I think people get, they get, busy with their own lives and so they perhaps over the years haven't really thought about their food and their nutrition and then it comes to uh to to light when when they've had an injury or they've had um they've had an event which has helped to realize that oh hey I'm not I'm not living the way I want to live I'm not feeling as good as I want to feel and so there's often an event that has happened that helps to engage them into hey my current lifestyle is not helping me with how I feel so um you know, and I think as, as a 40-something nutrition dietitian, it's, uh, you know, there's lots going on in your life. You're, you're busy with your career. You're, you're, you maybe have a family. You have a home life that you're taking care of. You may have aging parents that you're taking care of. You may also have younger children or pets that you're taking care of. And there's just, there's lots of, lots of demands at this stage of, of, uh, of our lives. And, people don't necessarily or they've kind of had all these habits that over the years have worked for them and then suddenly they realize hey these don't work for me anymore so um I think it's uh when they've had that event whatever that is um it's a great opportunity to to reconnect them into that you know what are they doing with their food and nutrition yes often there's a there's a bit of a, a trigger event eh, in terms of of that realization for them so um Tanis, I was I was wondering if I you know throw this question out at you. Um, do you feel like there's anything that patients can do to help reduce inflammation through diet? Well, it, there's no one anti-inflammation diet. I know in it's kind of flying around in the media a few ideas about um, you know all inflammation is 
is due to diet and it's easily solved by eating some superfoods. But, you know, unfortunately, there's actually no such thing as superfoods. Uh, sup the foods that are considered super this year are kind of the ones that um, somebody has promoted. And uh, a whole variety of foods are health promoting. Most foods are health promoting in one way or another. But, you know, what we really need is variety and balance and, and moderation. And it's really important to, and I'm as physios, you probably understand that inflammation is a normal biological response to injury and infection. And the, the problem arises if there's chronic infection. But we don't even understand really when we have chronic inflammation and the disease, which one came first? Did the inflammation come first that led the person to develop a disease or did they actually have the disease perhaps even subclinical disease that led to inflammation and and we don't really know or maybe they coincide together and you know some of the measurements like um, c-reactive protein um, it, you know it's a tool that um, health professionals use to measure inflammation there are a few others but crp is is generally the one that's considered the most robust you know it, it probably arises in all kinds of chronic diseases and so it's kind of a chicken and egg question that we don't really really understand what the concern is now one one food that right now this year and maybe it's a couple of years now is being promoted as being pro-inflammatory as sugar. And yet, uh, if you look at the scientific literature, uh, sugar isn't associated with inflammation at all. And now there is one exception, and that is for people with diabetes who are in a poorly con controlled state of diabetes, if they have high blood sugars, it can lead to all kinds of adverse effects the side effects of, of diabetes but that's blood sugar that's not you know what we're eating and and that doesn't happen from normal blood sugars and it doesn't happen for people with diabetes who have normal blood sugars and it certainly doesn't happen for people who do not have diabetes so you know there's a lot of kind of suggestions out in the media and on dr google but, you know, and I'm sure you as health professionals as well do not want your patients to be going first to Dr. Google to diagnose and find their own treatments. There's a lot of bad information out there. So this is Maxie. Um, I'm guessing. So from what I'm hearing from you is, is there isn't necessarily one place to land. Um, so if a patient came into, you know, a physical therapy uh, practice and was in a session with a physio and said, oh, well, you know, I read, um, I read, uh, you know, this article on inflammation in pomegranates or, you know, whatever. Right. Um, goji I guess, berries. What, <laughs> goji <laughs> berries, right? Um, so what, what can, uh, how would you suggest that, uh, that somebody who isn't a dietitian, who isn't, isn't in dietetics, um, but has obviously this question is related to what we would deal with in terms of inflammation or injury. How do we even comment on that within our practice? Well, I think the best thing to do is to refer them to a registered dietitian. And, you know, just like if, uh, if a dietitian was working with someone who obviously needed some assistance from a physio, we would refer, uh, I would hope that we would all refer 
the uh, patients to uh, a physio because, you know, we don't have our areas of expertise and Dr. Google is terrible. Dr. Google is highly influenced by financial interests. And uh, so I would um, encourage a referral to a dietitian. And um, um, Kristen, um, you're good at describing how how to find a dietitian. Dietitians.ca, dietitians is two T's, no C's. Yeah, that's the problem we have is that uh, who knows? Somebody in Microsoft Word decided that dietitian has a C, like pediatrician or physician, and it does not. It has no C in it. It has two T's. And so we have this problem all the time. And, you know, there were dietitians around for 100 years before Microsoft Word came along. But uh, uh, people are very confused by that. And I was just saying to Kristen that we really should write to Microsoft to get them to change that because... You know, if people are writing now, even in in an email or a word document, it uh, they get corrected to the wrong spelling, and they won't find what they're looking for if they have uh, Microsoft Word's spelling. So, yeah, as Kristen said, dietitians.ca for finding a dietitian in uh, in Canada. That's the the website to go to. And a lot of people have coverage in benefit plans to see a dietitian. Another way to see a dietitian is a referral from a physician. Um, so the uh, the listing on um, dietitians.c or the private practice dietitians. A uh, referral to a physician might uh, get someone in to see uh, it's likely to get a diet uh, a patient in to see a dietitian affiliated with a health region or hospital. Lots of ways to see them. And so, uh, so let's say you know a patient's referred uh, for a dietitian assessment. You know, what what sort of is there a standard uh, you know process that's um, undergone uh, you know to to work with a patient? Oh, totally, totally. Um, if if the referral is from a physician, then the dietitian has lab work as well as a a complete nutrition assessment and, and food intake assessment to go by. And uh, certainly they're uh, standard protocols for sure. So I know like a, you know, a fairly large, uh, you know, you know, patient population that PTs uh, see are those that have uh, osteoarthritis. And I was just wondering if, if there are any diets that you've found, you know, through, you know, from the research or even just clinically that you've found to be, uh, helpful in terms of, um, you know, managing, uh, you know, joint pain and, and, and OA symptoms. Uh, Kristen here, I'll, I'll chime in on this. So when we look at the literature um, around, you know, diet supporting patients with OA, um, one of the most important uh, relationship between diet and arthritis is actually their weight. Um know that excessive body weight is not good for, for joint health. And then it gets really complicated because then as a, um, there becomes a mechanical consequence of a person's weight. It can be the arthritis. So, you know, what comes first, the, the arthritis and then the overweight, or is it overweight and then the arthritis? And so it becomes a real mechanical challenge for people to, to manage. Um, so it is important to, to look at how do we help uh, promote a healthier weight to optimize their physical function and to consider helping to lose some of that um, the weight if it can help which will help to improve that physical function um, 
So that's probably the, one of the most important things to do. And then, of course, looking at, um, at their food and, and nutrition to facilitate that for sure. Yeah, because some of the things I'd read was, you know, even, you know, with increased weight gain is that there is this uh, change that takes place uh, within, you know, hormones from the adipose tissue and the visceral uh, uh, fat. Is there anything you can comment on that? Because I, I find that really interesting. I, I wasn't sure if, again, <laughs> you know, what what uh, the, the research in that shows on that. Well, it's um, what we know is that uh, obesity is a very, very complex um, state and our, our body's hormones uh, definitely change. And so what gets complicated is that people then look at how do we help pull that weight down and then the body's hormones will actually adjust to help push you back to that that higher weight and so it's um it gets to be a like a metabolic storm um the body is is will just help to fight to keep you at that higher weight so this is where we often see this weight loss and then regain and and people think it's them it's you know i didn't have willpower it wasn't me it wasn't the right diet when in fact this is a very normal physiological response to weight loss and so it gets really really complicated um so what's important um, as a first goal is uh, is to manage the weight and so prevent further weight gain. And then as a secondary goal um, would be, you know, can we see a 5 to 10% reduction in their weight and then sustain that? Um, but it's, it is a really um, complicated environment in which we live. We're in very much a diet culture, lots of diet industry, um, people who make a living off uh, off this sort of pain point that people have. And so there's a huge conflict of interest to actually say what the research actually says, which is weight loss is actually uh, very difficult and there's a good chance that you're going to regain this. So let's look at how do we manage this weight. Um, Dr. Arya Sharma, who's um, a medical doctor up in Edmonton, um, and he's an obesity expert, and he he talks about weight loss is like pulling on an elastic band and that you need to keep pulling if you want to lose that weight and, and keep it off. And so that can be helpful for people to think about because it's not just here's the diet that I go on and then, you know, and then I'm off the diet and now I'm done. It's, this is something that it's a, a, a change in lifestyle. How do we eat day in and day out? That's really going to manage where does your body naturally net out in terms of its weight? Yeah, this is, go ahead, go ahead, uh, go ahead, Tana. Yeah, this is Tana. So there is some evidence that even a weight, a 5% weight loss for people with uh, osteoarthritis over um, a five-month period or, or longer, if they can maintain it, can really improve their function, particularly if the arthritis is in their knee. It, it, it's, you people might actually be more experts on, uh, on the benefits of weight loss being physios on, on the arthritis. You're, you're working directly with their knees or, or hips, and so you may know more about it than we do. And then there's a lot of information and advice, again, on the internet about diet and nutritional supplements for, for arthritis. And there are lots of claims and that these diets can really help or reverse the arthritis. And a lot of that 
advice is coming from companies that are selling the supplement. So you really have to question a conflict of interest in, in those cases. And those supplements are expensive, they can be inconvenienced, and they can perhaps not help, but they can even be harmful. So we really caution people about taking supplements, and particularly multiple supplements, because different things can interact with each other and can interact with their medications. So it can be a real concern, even though they're promoted as healthy, safe, and everyone should take them. Uh, you know, we really need to encourage people to question the whole vitamins and dietary supplement industry. It's a multi-billion dollar industry and they're marketing very heavily and their practices are really questionable. This is Maxie. I, I just, there are so many questions that I have for you. So I'm going to actually try and, you know, um, tame myself. Um, I guess there are two things that I'm, I'm hearing um, and I guess the first thing is is just to tag on to both what both of you have said, Kristen and Tanis, about you know um, going on to to Google and and people trying. Well, and you have to you know acknowledge the fact that tr- people are trying to help themselves, right? So totally. So, I mean yeah. that's fantastic, right? However, yeah. the resources that we go to are, are can be you know very suspect. Um, yeah. And so, are there? Hey, I just wanted to have a quick pause to introduce you to today's podcast sponsor, Soul. They're off-the-shelf moldable insoles, and it's the brand of insoles that I recommend to my patients and have for years. The reason I recommend them is that they're heat moldable by the patient, they've got a great arch support, and they come with options to help with different foot issues. It's really easy for customers to order, and when you refer them to Soul, they get free shipping and 10% off. Make sure to check them out at yoursoul.com forward slash health dash professionals that's y-o-u-r-s-o-l-e dot com forward slash health dash professionals all right back to the show resources that like that you would recommend if somebody were to go online to a website to look for nutritional you know advice in where would you recommend that they go it's a great question. So it's more on principles to consider um, for for selecting uh, information, and it, it's becoming uh, important to be a real savvy consumer of, of health and nutrition information. So the first thing would be looking at who's writing the the information. Nutrition isn't something you study in a weekend course or in a six-month course. Uh, Dietitians have a four-year degree, a one-year internship, and then belong to a regulatory body where every year we're required to demonstrate competence and continuing education. So it's really important to look at, you know, who who is the person that's, you know, giving the information and what's their background, what's their bias, um, looking at, you know, what might that person have to gain from, from you know, offering the advice and, and information. I mean, are they selling supplements? That's just a, a glaring conflict of interest that, um, you know, and it's not that people can't take supplements, but it's, you know, if I'm recommending them and conveniently I have a store right here, you really have to question what that person, uh, you know, the, the, the bias in, in their advice. So 
I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, the, the internet becomes like a big, big black, a black hole for, for looking for some of this stuff. And, you know, I'd be looking at uh, trusted organizations, Dietitians of Canada, I'd look at national bodies, example, uh, you know, Arthritis Canada might be another one who, you know, they are looking at how do you help be, be healthy. Um, so I'd be looking at organizations where, you know, there's in just assessing for, um, for conflicts of, of interest. I think that's huge. I think, I think one of the, one of the, one of the things that I was also wanted to comment on was um, um, the idea that this, the, the challenge with losing weight and then, you know, um, sliding back, right. Sliding a bit backward um, and not being able to sustain that weight loss and the idea of supports and those sorts of external supports for folks. Um, they're professionals, physical therapists, um, dietitians, but um, I'm also wondering about just support networks um, for people that you know of that a physical therapist possibly could recommend somebody to if they were um, struggling or or just needing that extra help to to stay on track. Any ideas, Kristen? Fine, and and I guess the thing that people the things that people need to um, to consider is is just you know, from who are you getting the, the support and, and is the, and is it healthful support? Um, you know, the whole idea of weight management can get really dysfunctional in a hurry. And so how do you know if your particular patient is somebody who's not totally susceptible to either eating disorder, disordered eating or a full blown eating disorder. And so some of those, some of those online communities can be quite dangerous places for people. So great, great for them to reach out and, and, you know, trying to take ownership of their information and, and ownership of their health. I think that's outstanding. It's just really, you know, I can't recommend any one support uh, group because often there's, you know, there's often people trying to earn money off these things. So um, I don't have one to, to recommend. That's fair enough. <laughs> and I think that's, I think it's, it's, um, it's prudent advice. Um, and I guess what I'm hearing is, is people need to take, you know, be very mindful, um, and, um, and look at things with a, uh, with a bit of a critical eye. Um, but that also that, you know, there are professionals, you know, visit your physician, um, and as well as yourselves and physical therapists or occupational therapists um, who, who can provide that professional support. Um, yeah, exactly. And, and there's different ways that that can happen, whether it's in an individual consult or whether it's in a, a class or if it's in a group program. Uh, but I, I think it's important to connect with a professional who can have a critical assessment, not just, you know, of your diet per se, but of your entire, uh, you know, of that big picture of your, your lifestyle. Um, you know, I can certainly as a dietitian promote that, you know, yes, you need to be physically active. That's a critical part of your, your health portfolio. Um, but then I definitely want to connect them with folks like yourself who can help them uh, look at, well, you know, why does your back constantly hurt and why is that preventing you from and how is that preventing you from from sticking to a uh to an activity 
an active lifestyle. So, um, you know, I, I think it's important that people look at, you know, maybe their back pain, they don't know that their back pain might be related to weak hamstrings, but, but if they go to folks like yourself, they'll, you know, you'll be able to do your assessment on them. And, and, and this is where it's like, it's not just as simple as back pain. It's, it's more complex than that. And that's where you, you can't underscore the, you know, we become professionals for a reason because it's not just that simple. Kristen, I just uh, wanted to jump back to a point that you'd made about, uh, you know, when when folks are looking for information on on diet and uh, looking at, you know, who's actually giving that information. One of the things that I've noticed is just, um, I mean, all these different uh, certifications and titles that people in the <laughs> in the uh, nutrition and, and health realm uh, are using and Sometimes I think it's, I mean, I know for myself, sometimes it's hard to even know, like, well, what is their background or what is their um, training or education? And and, uh, and a lot of times you see folks that are are not dietitians that obviously are giving this advice that have these other labels that they are using and whether that's from training or not. And I was just wondering if you could comment on that. Um, like, how, how do you navigate that? How do you navigate it? It's, it's a bit of a mess, to be honest with you, um, because it's so in nutrition, it's a provincially, dietitian is provincially regulated. So across the country, it's the, the role of the provincial government to, to regulate uh, the term dietitian. In Alberta, um, the professionally protected titles are dietitian, registered dietitian, registered nutritionist and nutritionist. So within Alberta, we now know that to use those four titles um, and to use them appropriately requires membership within the College of Dietitians of Alberta. It means that there's been a standard level of education attained and that there's been standing continuing competence. The role of the college is actually to protect the public. So they're... um, they're looking to to protect the consumers from from um, from I guess harmful harmful advice and and harmful um, practices. Um, so the challenge is, and this nutritionist just got uh, just got protected within the last year within Alberta. But I guess something else to think about is you know it becomes a moving target. Well, because now you can be a nutrition counselor, uh, a nutrition consultant, um, a holistic nutrition consultant. Like there's the the title, the regulatory title, a moving target for for people. And and it, I I would recommend to people is check what people's backgrounds are and make sure you're you're looking for somebody who's got more than you know a weekend's worth of training or you know at some online I mean I I think it's important to make sure that people are regulated how how else do you know that they're not just doctor googling themselves and then you know looking at their own personal experience with with uh, you know whatever disease and now they have an interest in that particular area and suddenly they're an expert um like it's really important to have that foundational knowledge of not just nutrition but physiology, biochemistry, medical concerns, medical conditions, and, and because nutrition is one part of that. I'm not sure if that's helped to your question. Because in, with across, 
across Canada, dietitian is the term that you're looking for. Um, nutritionist is not always regulated across Canada. So that's where it gets really confusing. Yeah, that's right. And so as, as Kristen said, the term nutritionist isn't protected in all provinces. We just got it here in Alberta, which we're very happy to. But in other provinces, people can use the word nutritionist and not have any qualifications whatsoever. And that's always true of someone who calls themselves a nutrition consultant or nutrition specialist. Those terms aren't controlled in any province, unfortunately. So, de- yeah, so definitely having a discerning eye is uh, is important. And I think the challenge then, too, is that you actually have to take the time to actually dig into these things and not just blindly accept what people are are putting forward. Yeah, Kristen and I were chatting about this just before the call, and we were thinking that if some of the physios listening are seeing patients that need a a referral, that um, they could find one dietitian in their area who is, um, you know, not too far away, and then they could, you know, just find that person once and then refer to that person ongoing. And... um, yeah, it wouldn't be that they'd need to f- find a referral every time a patient came in. But if you could find one qualified person once, you'd have that in your back pocket ready for the next patient that might need it. Well, that's, yeah, that's interesting because, I mean, I know like when I worked in the hospital, you know, physios and dietitians and all that, we're always working, you're always working on, uh, you know, these in, uh, uh, you know, medical teams. And, and really, there was a lot of collaboration. But I think that's a really good suggestion is to actually, when you're in community practice, is to to uh, reach out for you know make that connection um, so that that there is a relationship there so it's not just uh, you know leaving the uh, the patient to their own uh, sort of uh, research <laughs> to then try to to figure out what to do yeah that could be really helpful to the patients mm-hmm. so I guess thinking about that that actually segues right into into some other sorts of questions that that I think both Andrew and I have in terms of we find a dietitian within our area, but what are what are some of the 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 basic things we should know about um, patients' diets so that if we have a concern, that's when we would connect either the patient with a dietitian or call the dietitian ourselves and and speak with them. Like, what would be some yellow yeah. flags for us in practice? I think yellow flags might be. Uh, a, a couple. One would be a person mentioning confusion. And uh, I think just about everybody, if if you don't have at least one degree in nutrition, you're confused by what's in the media. But a patient bringing it up, you know, oh, I don't know if I should be cutting all sugar out or all fruit out or all milk out, because these are the kind of quandaries that people are grappling with currently and um, essentially no one needs to cut everything out and certainly it's not undesirable to cut out added sugars but when people take it to extremes and want to cut out fruit because it it has sugar in it well that's that's not a, a good measure but so if someone is expressing real confusion and concerns then they, they're a candidate for sure for a referral because they're even expressing the need for it. The other would be if you're seeing a client where you become aware that their, their lifestyle is a struggle, that um, they maybe are saying some, something about that it's 
it's hard to find time, not only for the exercises that you've recommended for them, but they just don't have time to to cook and eat and those kind of things. And, and it, it's, you know, if you have some food skills in the kitchen and some food in the house, usually you can whip up a meal in just a few minutes, but not everyone has those skills and, and not everyone is, is food secure either. About 10% of the Canadian population is not food secure, which means that they don't have access in every day of the month to adequate food when the solution for that one is not easy but uh, a referral to a dietitian if if, uh, if they wouldn't have to um, pay out of pocket you know could help them because a dietitian can also help people find ways to buy much more economically and some grocery stores actually hire dietitians to offer food tours to help navigate the you know 10,000 items in a in a grocery store about which ones are are healthful and which ones are certainly not essential. So I think it's it and then weight concerns I guess would be a third category of people that could be um, good candidates for referrals. So I guess it's when you as physios become aware that nutrition is a problem for those people for one reason or another. That those those would be the people I think that would benefit the most from a referral. Fantastic. Okay, well, that's good. And so, um, one of the other things that Maxie and I were talking about, um, um, you know, obviously on the heels of that, is are there any specific populations uh, that um, maybe should be on our radar a little bit more? Like, say, the elderly, for example, or uh, children, or, you know, would you be able to comment on on which you know say patient populations that maybe uh, be maybe at a higher risk or uh, could have that uh, that um, uh, support from a from a dietitian? Well, I, I think it comes down to you know the categories I just referred to. Kristen, do you have anything to add? Uh, nutrition is important, of course, in every phase of life, but um, I, I think the ones that need referrals are mostly those who are struggling for one reason or another. What do you think, Kristen? Can you add to that? I, I mean, I think it's just reinforcing what you've already said, which is adequate nutrition is critical and important for everyone in any stage of life. And and so I'm I'd be curious whether, you know, even just asking people you know, how, how are you doing with your food and nutrition? And, you know, have they even thought about it? Because good food and nutrition doesn't just happen. It, it is actually something that um, requires the, the odd, like nutrition checkup that, you know, we, we go for, um, you know, our annual physical with our physician. Well, when was the last time someone actually went and did a, did a nutrition checkup to see for their current age and stage of life and their current health? Are they doing everything they can to, to use food as a, as a therapy for their health and their wellness? And my guess would be there's a ton of opportunity out there for people to actually have a look at this. And, you know, sometimes it's just doing some minor tweaks of, of um, the food choices, food choices made. But, you know, I'd be willing to bet that if you were to ask somebody, you know, how, how are they doing? You know, you'd get, well, I'm so busy. It's just, it's so hard. And it, it is, it is hard when you're feeling busy. And so it's, if you're feeling that way, then you need to be more planful at 
the front end to help you eat and live in a way that that helps to support your health and wellness. So, I mean, I think it's critically important at any stage. You know, you you asked earlier about osteoarthritis. That would be a perfect opportunity to say, you know, are you are you doing all that you can with uh, with the foods that you're eating um, and the foods that are likely to best support you with your with your health and and your wellness. Um, you know, and and people often get confused and just overwhelmed by all these different mixed messages. And it's, it's, it's not complicated. Healthy eating is not complicated, but it does require a little bit of planning. And, you know, it's like exercises that you might recommend for your patients aren't necessarily complicated, but they just require a bit of, of, um, planning to integrate that into someone's lifestyle. So, um, I'd say at every stage of life, you know, how are you doing with your food and nutrition? Well, that makes sense. I mean, I think, I think that as dietitians and as physios, I think we, uh, we have the similar challenges around, uh, behavior change and supporting and, and helping our patients, uh, make, uh, healthy, uh, changes in their lives. Um, and yeah, that's not always the easiest because I think, I mean, I think probably in both, uh, spheres, I mean, we, you know, I think there's definitely a, you know, a certain segment of, you know, patients that just want to have the quick fix, right? Like just give me the three steps to great nutrition and I'll be okay. We're busy, right? Everyone's busy. Everyone you know, is just slogging through their life, you know, and everyone's got some element of stress happening in their life, whether it's, um, you know, job stress and family stress, home life stress, financial stress. Like there's just, there's so much demand on people and, you know, their lives. I mean, I guess as a dietitian, food is very important in my life and it's, it's integral and it's integrated as part of my life. Um, I imagine, you know, your physical strength and muscle balances and, and things are very important in your life. But to everybody else, you know, it's maybe they haven't thought about it. And they so, you know, we they come and see us and they look at go, well, how do I um, how do I now have this new behavior become easy? And it's it's just really important to help connect their diet and, and their lifestyle to their, you know, a bigger goal, which might be, I want to have more energy. I want to feel, I want to feel better. I, I don't want to feel so foggy. Like I, I just, I just want to have life and vitality back. And, and, and so looking at that lifestyle and that overarching goal and, and articulating that, and, you know, those, those motivational interviewing skills and those listening skills, I mean, these are things that regulated health professionals are, are taught and and so it's not even just about the food and nutrition from a dietitian's perspective it's it's that we can facilitate that behavior change and that that you know deep level listening that we can we can you know that we're attuned to people's concerns and and their attitudes around food and and how that might be connected to their behavior change so i i I just i feel that what we can offer is 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 so much more than just that food piece it's how is this as part of your overall lifestyle exactly and i think i think you're you're speaking to me personally just in terms of somebody who's you know uh researches around the therapeutic relationship and clinically when i practiced that was a a very large component of 
of or, or philosophical approach to to the way I practice. But that that it's actually moving outside of the 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 nuts and bolts of well in in perhaps what some people view as as diet in terms of calorie counting or you know, um, eating X number of fruits and X number of, you know, carbohydrates a day or, or whatever, whatever that their framework is, um, that it's, it really is about living a healthy life and how, how we tap into that and what brings meaning to our conversation around food, but what brings meaning to it in our lives. Um, and I think that, so, so I guess what I'm saying, um, Kristen is you're, you're talking my language, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's really funny because the term dietitian typically implies diet and, and calorie counting and, and servings of, you know, fruits and veggies. And, you know, those guidelines exist in some capacity, but it's not the only way in which we can help people. But some people, some people really want that guidance. Mm. People, they, other people, and I've seen this, they, they just get stuck in the minutia of, you know, well, you know, was it this kind of soup or did I eat that kind of soup? And oh gosh, is it 200 calories or 250? Like, let's step back and look at and go, okay, um, let's look at the overall choice being made here. And, you know, like, it doesn't have to be that strugglesome. It, it can really be like, how does this food choice help give you that energy? And, you know, are you eating enough? I, I can't tell you how many people I see where they're, they're skipping meals, and then they're wondering why they're struggling with cravings later in the day, or why they, you know, come home and they, they binge on certain foods. Well, that's a very, that's the body's normal reaction to not being fed. So how do we help people look at this is like you need to eat for your your health and your optimal function and just helping to find that that carrot of what really matters to people um and and i think you know dietitians can certainly do this and certainly sounds like physiotherapists can do this as well so you know yeah you're hamstring exercise might not be top of mind but if you know you want your back to stop hurting and and not be in so much pain all day then yeah this this is actually really really important for you absolutely and I think what I'm also think I'm hearing you say is that is that it's about helping people develop an awareness around um around food and around nutrition um, and how they feel in their bodies, how their how their body responds to different foods, how their body responds to not eating or eating too much or whatever that is, so that it, it helps give them a sense of of agency, um, um, but also probably helps you help them as well. Absolutely, that that whole piece about becoming more aware is so powerful. It's, it's, um, you know, it's like at the end of the month, if you wonder why your bank account's always empty, it's really helpful to go back and go through, well, where is my money going? And, you know, and, and similarly with the food, what kinds of foods are you eating? How much are you eating? How often are you eating? Under what circumstances uh, does this happen? How do you, how hungry do you feel? How full do you feel? All of these different uh, pieces of awareness of our own, you know, that, that physical connection to our bodies. And yeah, I've just, I guess, seen in my practice that people are actually very dissociated from their bodies. Like they, they just don't think about it. And, and yet they, they do feel 
you know, tired by the end of the day, but, but don't sort of pay attention to, well, gosh, you know, maybe if we had hydrated and nourished yourself throughout the day, you might actually feel great at the end of the day. It's like sprinting to the finish line. Um, so I think helping people to facilitate that, that awareness of what they eat, how they feel and, and how basic food and nutrition can help lead to that that overall health and wellness i think that's just such a gift for people yeah that's, those are some great points well we, we've covered a lot of ground i feel like we've uh, we've gone from uh, inflammation to um you know uh conversations around diet and nutrition to uh body awareness and and mindfulness uh with eating so i i really uh i really appreciate you guys coming on the show today uh tennis kristen and um uh, you know, I think that, uh, you know, I, I, your passion for, for healthy living uh, is, is really evident uh, from both of you. And I think that's really, uh, really amazing. And so I just want to thank you again for, for being on the show today. And we'll make sure to include some links in our uh, podcast uh, uh, blog post uh, so that people can uh, um, look up uh, your information uh, if they're interested. And uh, but yeah, I want to thank you again for being on the show today. Thank you. It's been really incredible. Thanks very much.